Hi everyone and welcome to the Glow Getters podcast. I'm Emily Halliday and in this series I will be asking friends of mine to share their experiences and advice on growth and self-discovery in their 20s. In this episode I'm joined by Hannah Crosby, the founder of the Dalston Wine Club and we talk wine, entrepreneurialism and how she's come to be where she is today. Hi Hannah. Hi Emily, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Great. I'm really excited to be on the Glowgetters. Oh, we're so excited to have you on. Um, how's 2021 been suiting you? You know, how's how's the last couple of months been? You know, 2021, lockdown point three, it's been it's been a lot, you know. Um, I think mm. the first couple of lockdowns, there was the novelty of it being new, and then there was the novelty of it being Christmas soon, but now lockdown mm-hmm. three, I think we're all I think we're all ready for it to be over. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And just kind of desperate for summer. I think that's the the next thing to look mm. forward to, really, for the, the temperatures to start raising. Yeah, 100%. And social interaction. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm just going to dive straight on in because I'm really excited to talk about your, your business mm. and your brand. Um, can you just walk me through the Dalston Wine Club? Yeah, so the Dalston Wine Club is an inclusive wine club for the new generation of wine drinkers and wine lovers. Um, It's kind of aimed at people that are the same age as you and I, who might feel that wine necessarily for them, or they might feel really, really intimidated by wine, but they drink all the time. Um, I suppose it was kind of started from like, a need of my own really when I first got started in the industry um I was like a massive enthusiast I was taking all my qualifications but I didn't really have anywhere to go where I could feel comfortable as a 20-something creative um where I had the same kind of access to really really exciting wines and amazing producers as you would if you were working for trade and mm. yeah and then as I kind of gradually got more and more involved in the wine industry specifically on the natural wine side of things I kind of realized just how amazing these tastings were and just how, how important they were to my learning as a professional but as a wine enthusiast as well so I thought wow wouldn't it be great if people our age could have somewhere relaxed that they could go to where they wouldn't have to pay lots of money to taste lots of amazing wines and yeah that's kind of how it was first born but um we kind of managed to squeeze in a couple of um, in-person sessions, which was amazing. And then, unfortunately, lockdown reared its head again. And we've managed mm. to grow online in the past couple of months. And honestly, the response has been amazing. We were kind of expecting a few people who came to the in-person clubs to be really excited about it. But we didn't anticipate this many new people kind of getting their eyes on the brand. Oh ordering wine boxes and being excited about coming um I think we've really hit on something really really exciting yeah oh gosh I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to talk about it more because similarly wine is definitely a passion of mine kind of from from drinking age and um particularly red wine Mm. which I always felt was a little bit less common at a younger age I think with with age you kind of get more of a taste of red but I've always loved it so I've I've been very interested in wine and as you say you know for people our age there's a little bit not so much a glass ceiling but mm. you you never feel completely qualified to discuss it in a room of people that are older than Precisely. you um, yeah and I I use as well I don't know if you if you've got it um it's, it's probably a little bit basic for you <laughs> but it's called Vivino yeah it's um 
uh, the app where you scan the label and it kind of tells you it's like a kind of a virtual sommelier mm. <laughs> but even with something like Lavino, um so many professional people use it who use all the terminology and they use all the lingo so even kind of like scrolling through notes of something like that so if like yeah. you hadn't really drunk wine before and you saw someone say that they a wine had snappy tannins you'd be like what the fuck are they talking about <laughs> do you know what i mean i think that there's a real appetite for just kind of having a really chilled out wine bar setting sitting with your friends not worrying about mm. whether you're swirling your wine in the right way or using the right words mm. that yeah that's kind of where it was all born from really but um I completely yeah. agree that it kind of stems from this almost like intimidation, which I mean, nine times out of 10 isn't purposeful. But I think one times out of 10, it is purposeful from the wine industry to kind of only keep a certain kind of person involved. But yeah, I really love how it's opening up more. And it's not just obviously it's not just me doing it. There are so many amazing people opening up wine to a younger audience and yeah, really empowering people to talk about it. Mm, I really really love that and um, also I guess a question for you would be um, I don't know if this is factually correct but for me I, I look at the wine industry and just from documentaries I've seen and it's it's full of full of men mm. I think because it's quite a traditional industry much like you know finance for example and yes like a lot of things are changing in both industries but to be a, a woman a young woman as well leading something like this and and pushing this business on I think that's really cool mm. I think it's I think it's really interesting you make that connection to finance because yeah there must be a reason that these are such male dominated industries I mean the natural wine industry because I don't know it's full of hippies and things like that <laughs> is perhaps a little bit more equal but yeah I think there's a language with finance right in the same way that there's a language with wine I think the more confident you are speaking that language the more successful you're likely to be I agree with you I think um it is that that degree of exclusivity mm. yeah I mean finance has language right and wine also has a language and I think the more confident you are about speaking it even if you might not get everything 100% right the more likely you are to be successful. And I mean, statistically speaking, men are far, far, far more professionally confident than women. Even the way that mm. we talk, even though in the way that women use language. Um, I was fortunate enough to study English language and the way that we talk and speak professionally. And there's such a disparity between the genders, it's insane. Like the amount of inflections that women will use at the end of a sentence like that, just because we're so it's so embedded into our psyche that we need to question every single thing that we're saying and this only worsens in a professional setting but I think it's all about being confident about speaking that language of wine but I think I don't know as soon as you have like those parameters and as soon as you have an understanding of that language I think the better you do in the industry unfortunately but luckily yeah there is this new generation of um, influential people in wine they're kind of opening it up a bit more so it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, and what you've done is you've created a, a safe space for people mm. to come and learn and have discussions without this kind of um, prejudgmental barrier. Precisely. I think. Which I know it sounds terribly amazing. snowflakey, but like safe spaces are important. Like, no, definitely, definitely. I think particularly in these times when, also, I'm just imagining us all emerging from lockdown with a, a severe lack of social skills because we just <laughs> haven't we haven't been around anyone. So actually, I'm all for safe social settings <laughs> at the moment. Um, 
Amazing. And how did you come up with the idea? Well, let's let's go back. Let's talk about your your journey into kind of wine writing because I'm guessing it stemmed a- around there initially. So so talk me through your your kind of early on career. Yeah. So um, I've only actually worked in wine for the last um few years. Um, it hasn't really been something that I've worked in for decades. I mean. I'm only a 20 something like um so beforehand I worked uh, in fashion as a copywriter and an editorial person um I soon realized that fashion wasn't really for me I didn't really meet anyone there that I felt like I could relate to or I kind of felt like understood me um I'd always had this really in- big broad interest in wine um ever since mm-hmm. I was illegally serving it as a 17 year old at a fine dining <laughs> restaurant <laughs> being really really fascinated with the um the relationship between food and wine always really really fascinated me how wine as a living breathing organism as a yeah as a living breathing thing could taste differently um depending on what you're eating if you're eating a starter a main or dessert or a whole manner of things how mm. the wine's taste would literally evolve in your mouth I find that so fascinating um mm. and then that kind of really lay dormant for a long while but it kind of I don't know it kind of embodied itself in me like bringing bottles of Prosecco and Champagne to Prix when everyone else is bringing like VKs <laughs> so kind of like yeah. there was always kind of like a little thing in the background of having an interest in wine having an interest in the way it was made um, my dad always used to make cider um, in the autumn um, we used to help him. Um, in hindsight, I was so ungrateful because if I could make cider with him right now, I would literally give anything. Um, but mm. as a mopey teenager, you're perhaps not so um, not so subservient. But um, mm. so I kind of came from that background as well. But um, I kind of grew up thinking that wine wasn't really for me, and it was only when I moved to London, kind of stopped working in fashion, took a little bit of a break to go freelance and kind of think about what I really, really wanted to do, that I kind of realized and met more and more people that I felt like I could relate to in the service industry and sommeliers, restaurant owners, um, chefs. And I was like, oh shit, these are my people. Like, but they've been here all along, but Mm -hmm. this interest has always been here. But it's only through meeting the right people and seeing yourself in successful people in that industry can you really feel like it's for you? Do you do you see what I'm saying? Like I also think the the universe sometimes has a a very specific way of actually showing you the right direction and for you to suddenly feel you know that those connections with those people and have this wine topic at the back Mm. of your mind you know that was probably something pointing you in a a direction and you kind of grow up thinking things aren't for you I'm not from an incredibly poor off background but I'm but growing up I was by no means like middle class upper middle class um I only really became Mm. aware of kind of where I was and my family was and kind of like the hierarchy when I went to a really fancy university and met incredibly fancy people um Mm. but kind of like growing up sort of knowing that in the back of my head I certainly didn't feel like the world of wine was for me um obviously I kind of grew up watching um a lot of like arty films so things like Sideways seemed incredibly romantic um for people that haven't seen it it's perhaps the um seminal wine film and it's absolutely amazing but kind of watching that and kind of seeing all these people taste wine and enjoy it in the way that I wanted to enjoy it I don't know it just seemed like a world away but yeah it was kind of only when I'd taken that time out that it really clicked for me that this is what I was meant to be doing and Mm -hmm. these were the people that I wanted to spend my time with 
you've gone to create sort of your own your own world and your own version of that where even if you feel like maybe you you didn't belong or you didn't believe that that world was for you initially you've gone to kind of create your own version yeah. of it and completely owned it so that's very inspiring oh, that's so sweet of you to say well yeah that's kind of what I hope to happen from Dalston Wine Club I mean I, I'm mm. sure I mean who doesn't really drink wine or who hasn't enjoyed a glass of wine like when you kind of get to our age it's kind of like you grow up and it's like beer is for boys wine is for girls like you're pretty I'm Mm. pretty certain that like most girls will have drunk wine or grown up thinking that they should like wine but haven't necessarily felt empowered to learn about it or understand what they're tasting or feel perhaps a little bit pretentious Mm. when they talk about it I kind of really want to create that safe space where people feel that they can come and learn and just feel like they belong. Yeah, definitely. So how did you go from from kind of wine wine journalism at Majestic? Um, so I'm the copywriter. So I'm unfortunately not a wine journalist just yet. I do kind of do some freelance <laughs> I do some freelance articles for magazines, but right now I am a copywriter, which I also love. Um I get to yeah. get, come into contact with loads and loads of wines and I spend every day reading amazing stories about winemakers all over the world. So I suppose that's kind of like journalism. Yeah, but also it's like you're, you know, you're, the copywriting that you're doing and the research that you kind mm. of do for and around that, that's kind of, you know, you're, you're, it's an investment into what you're trying to yeah. build, I think, and like your knowledge for, for the wine club, which is awesome. So then where, where was this, where was the wine club? Where, where was it birthed? Yeah you know did you just wake up one day or were you you know sitting over a glass of wine and thinking right fuck it, I'm just gonna do <laughs> well it. I kind of had like an idea that I wanted to do in-person events um previously in the fashion industry one of the most enjoyable things that I was doing was putting on events meeting new people and just really enjoying kind of people from all different walks of life coming together of a mutual interest mm-hmm. and I knew that that was something I wanted to do with wine and I knew that's something that I wanted to make inexpensive and inclusive and fun um, by chance, um, I got talking to this amazing guy called Sylvan, Shai Sylvan, um, who runs a bar called Binch in Dalston. It is the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest bar you'll ever see. Um, under lockdown rules, mm. it can only have 12 people in it. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm writing that down. That sounds like a. It's a very sweet. Spot. It used to be on um, <laughs> Wolfie's, if any locals are listening. And then once Wolfie's closed down, Binch was born. Um, Binch actually means beer so mm. Sylvan's really really into his craft beer he's French um, so he's very into his French wine as well but he was looking to do events and then by chance we got connected and I said look I'm really interested in doing something like this and he's a bit of a free spirit he's just like yeah sure fuck it let's do it so, oh my gosh I know, what an opportunity really, really exciting, yeah. but then that's kind of how it happened um the first event um, I kind of put some feelers out on Instagram sold some tickets and they sold out within an hour it was absolutely insane I mean it was only 15 tickets but still like when I thought I was going to sell two and one of them was going to be you know my best friend and the other one was going to be my mom mm. like I didn't I didn't foresee like 15 people buying tickets so that was really exciting oh, um okay. and yeah and then we just did it we um so the whole idea with the Boston Wine Club is if you want to taste three specific wines right if you didn't go to the club you'd have to buy all three of them full bottles they'd be 30 quid each mm-hmm. you'd be down 90 quid at Dalston wine club you can have three glasses of the same three wines but for 20 15 quid so you're only paying for the mm-hmm. glass it's the same as if like 
yeah, you were going to a wine bar and the three wines that you wanted to taste just so happened to be the house wines that night. That's what Dolphin Wine Club is. It provides mm-hmm. that same exposure without you having to fork out. And I mean, who can afford to fork out money for wine? Yeah, you're making it more accessible, which is awesome, particularly for people in our yeah. eyes. And bracket. I think that, I don't know, with things like this, especially when you're starting new interests in adults, I think that, I don't know, I, fi- I think that money is such a dirty word, but it is so important to acknowledge that it is like the number one barrier into getting into anything like wine or cooking or photography mm. or fashion or anything like that, like... You need to have those accessible inns that don't cost too much money so that you can make your first steps. Otherwise, those hobbies are only really reserved for people that can afford to buy those three bottles. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then talk us through the process. So you, you started the, the club um, how long before lockdown, before the pandemic? And then talk us through the process of adapting the business in, yeah, in lockdown Yeah, sure. Times. So we did the first uh, wine club in October. So it was in that sweet spot just before the um, second lockdown. So we did really, really well with that one. We managed to squeeze in one more just before the last one. And then from that, we kind of all knew, we all kind of had an inkling that it was going to have to be virtual from January. Um, So virtual events Mm. weren't really something that I'd ever done before. Um, Obviously, I'd been working in an office job since I started at Majestic. So I was used to kind of having Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, but... I kind of knew that I wanted, I always say that Dalston Wine Club, the virtual side of it, is meant to be the antidote to awkward Zoom meetings. That's what I always say, because I think even though we're essentially doing the same thing, like we're sitting in front of our laptop screen, like we're interacting with people we don't 100% know, but we, I knew I kind of had to make it a little bit more dynamic than that. And I think wine is, and talking about wine is like one of the best social lubricants out there. So I yeah. Mm. It, it was always going to be a little bit tricky to kind of get it started and kind of get people to buy into the idea when especially seeing as people become so fond of the in-person wine clubs but I think once people get the idea like it's all in the communication people kind of know what they're going to people feel relaxed and empowered to be able to enjoy wine on a virtual meeting then it just it, it's as easy as anything everyone's just so excited to be there People say it's, I don't know, they say it's the, the thing they've been looking forward to this month, which is just the words you really want to hear, isn't it, as a business owner? Mm. And I think as well, a lot of people, you know, are living alone or they're even if they're living with family or friends, you know, there's limited social interaction. And it's not only a wine club now, you're you're creating or starting to create a community, which is so important. Yeah, in these I think community's become a bit of a buzzword, especially in kind of like London startup culture. <laughs> but I mean, it's for a reason, like there are everyone and their mum yeah. starting a brand right now. So it's more important than ever yeah. to foster meaningful relationships with people. Otherwise, they're just going to see you as like another person that's trying to push a product. And I mean, I'm only in kind mm. of like the first year of the business. I'm not making any money. I mean, at best, I'm not making any money. At worst, I'm making a loss. But for me, it's so important to kind of create these experiences and give people the opportunity to, you know, sip a really interesting wine, maybe learn a couple of things. But I don't know, most importantly, just kind of, chill relax and forget that you're going through a pandemic Mm, yeah and that's so lovely and I think when studying wine whilst there are set answers to an extent such as the grape or year what people don't necessarily realize is that the notes are very much up to your own interpretation and I think people not realizing this is why it can feel so exclusive but actually if wine tastes a certain way for you then that's right and 
my boyfriend's father and I both enjoy wine and we'll get into a bottle together and he'll ask, do you think this is a good wine? And I tend to panic a bit and he says, well, to answer that question, you just have to ask yourself if you like it. And if so, then it is a good wine. And I love the fact that while there are set answers, it is open to interpretation, which goes back to what you were saying about it being such a good social lubricant. And that's one of the most amazing things about wine. Um, Anya Smelskaya, who is this amazing sommelier and wine consultant who's helped me out on the last couple of wine clubs, she always says that, uh, obviously yes there's like right and wrong answers but she always says like when you're tasting a wine link it to something that you know and something that makes sense to you so to one person I mean if you're tasting wine in an exam for example you have to give key descriptors like oh it smells of plums oh it smells of dark fruit it smells of this and that but if you mm. think oh it smelled like my grandmother's blackberry compote that she only made once a year and we would have on our pancakes yeah. you know what I mean like it's about this personal experiences you forge with wine the things that it reminds you of that are really really important and that's what makes wine so personal to so many people because each wine is unique I mean even wines can differ from year to year made by the exact same producer from the exact same vines but the way that they will taste mm. from one year to another will be completely different. It's a constantly changing, evolving thing. And the better you link it to your own experiences, the easier it is to remember and the easier it is to bring you back to that moment when you're tasting it. So I think another question for you will be, can you think back to your best wine moment or your best memory with wine? And I bet this will be a really tough question because I'm sure you've had lots and lots, um, but just something that, that you recall as just being kind of the perfect moment. One moment that I can really, really remember where I kind of really felt like I'd fed my tribe, I'd fed my people. Um, I went with Anya, who I just mentioned, to um, Tillingham Wines, which oh. is this amazing biodynamic um estates and farm in Sussex um we went to go and interview Ben Bolgate who's the person that makes the wines there he has this amazing vision of this closed loop farm vineyard system that is so amazing um you should definitely visit the hotel if you could ever get the chance it's mm -hmm. so beautiful but um it was a cracking hot day in June it was the end of the first lockdown we went to go and interview him and um we got in this rickety almost like golf buggy on steroids like trolled through the slopes of vineyards right to the top where there's this lovely kind of little balcony um place where you can sit under cherry trees and we all shared like this delicious nutty fruity pet nat um that i think it was the latest vintage that ben had made and it was just the perfect thing to drink when we were sweaty, it was really, really hot. Um, we'd just taken a dip in the mm. sea and it was just kind of like this perfect way to round off like a really gorgeous summery day. Um, but yeah, that's a beautiful oh memory that that's I have so with wine. That's the one that's sticking out to me right now. But for everyone who's listening who I've had a lovely memory with over wine, please don't feel discouraged. It's the only <laughs> one I can think of at the moment. That's so funny. Um, and then kind of kind of on that note as well, do you have any kind of particular grape, maybe maybe a white or a red? I know, again, that would be so hard, a question for someone like you who is constantly trying different wines and, and researching, but is is there a particular wine that is kind of your fail-safe oh, um, on yeah, a wine I menu? Think I, I think lately, I know it's like a classical, like natural wine thing, but I've been really, really mm. into skin contact. For anyone that doesn't know what skin co contact wine is, it's basically as you would make white wine except before pressing off the skins away from the juice and then fermenting the juice 
you leave the skins in contact with the juice for anything from a few hours to a few days like some people even do it weeks and what that does is the skins impart even more flavor and especially color which is where you get like the lovely color of the orange and amber wines from um so that tends to be something that i go to like back when we could visit restaurants and that's something that i usually go for because because the structure of it and the beautiful kind of layers and gorgeous mouthfeel make it a really, really good wine for um, pairing with food. So it can stand up to most dishes unless it's like really, really powerful. Um, I've been particularly enjoying, um, and you can probably still get this from Ancestral Wines, who are this amazing wine importer, uh, the Domaine Brand des Fils, um, Fleur Maceration. Uh, it's an amazing skin contact Pinot Gris for ancestral wines. You should still be able to get it unless it has sold out because I'm recommending it to literally everyone I meet. Um, so a lot of people don't know, but Pinot Gris is actually um, the actual grape itself is this beautiful kind of like golden pinky sunset color. So when you leave that in contact with the juice, it brings like it's technically an orange wine, but it's like this lovely deep pinky orange like it, you could almost be fooled that it's a rosé but it's actually a beautiful skin contact orange wine and mm. yeah I would definitely wholeheartedly recommend that or skin contact in general if you see it at a restaurant because it pairs really really well with most foods but especially Thai and Vietnamese mm. and can we talk about mm. wine trends because um, I feel like just having looked at um, your group and the type of wines that you guys showcase all the bottles are absolutely <laughs> stunning and I feel like over lockdown and the past year a lot of people jumped on the kind of the 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 wine we're gonna you know make our own wine mm. brand which <laughs> I'm all here for <laughs> Um, and I feel like gorgeous, unique bottles have really come out in full force. And actually, I even went to the supermarket the other day and I was just browsing and I noticed that so many bottles were absolutely stunning and really unique. And there's definitely they're having a bit of a moment. And I don't know if that's the case in kind of the natural yeah. wine sector as well. I feel like they're probably more authentic. But, but yeah, well, t- I let's guess talk the about wine be made is that it's probably like started with the natural wine movement, I think, with natural wine to kind of give like a little bit of a lowdown because it's not really bound by like the um appellation system because they're not really bound by rules or regulations that traditional classic wine would have Mm. they're a lot more free to kind of do what they want put what they want in the wine put what they want on the labels um I think that the tricky to navigate label has been like a really, really huge part in switching people off wine. Cause like, I don't know, you go into like a wine merchant or you go into even like a Tesco's or a Sainsbury's um, and you see like those wine bottles that literally all look the same. They've all got the same squiggly writing, maybe a picture of a chateau, mm. maybe a picture of a deer or something like that. And you're like, great. What the fuck does that tell me? Like, I don't know anything about um, the Cote de Cruz. <laughs> I don't know anything about Beaujolais. I, 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 I cannot decipher this bottle. What the fuck does it mean? Um, I think with the natural wine movement, um, growers have kind of been quite aware that this is something that turns people off wine quite a bit. So they're kind of using, and I love the way that they're collaborating with artists as well. Um, uh, for the latest on Patrick Bouju, um collaboration with um, Rosie Asselin, um, they released Vivantaire and they worked with Apartmento Studios, a graphic design company that also do the magazine to create these beautiful bottles just because they felt like 
it expressed I mean there was barely any writing on it but the drawing and the art and the design expressed what the wine was about and what the ethos is about way better than any kind of picture of a chateau do you know what I mean I think it's been quite important in getting people into wine in the first place I think tricky difficult to navigate labels were really part of that and I think yeah it's a trend I embraced with open arms I think and I think as well it it mm. gives more personality to the wine as well because obviously you know that the the flavors of the wine will speak speak for itself but actually if you've got a really quirky cool bottle I think it definitely heightens the enjoyment I don't know if that's just kind of a a me thing but it, mm, it, it makes drinking more fun um, I mean like Tillingham that I already mentioned um Ben works with a graphic design studio who kind of came up with like a new ingenious way of like printing onto the bottles like these beautiful kind of art prints so they're not even labels they're kind of they're almost pieces of art I think that there's been a very conscious decision for brands to make things look beautiful not just for the sake of being beautiful but because people are more likely to kind of hold on to things of quality um a couple that I know who really, really love Tillingham wines, they keep the bottles in their house and they use it to hold flowers. And I mean, at the end of the day, wine growers and the wines that they make in their chateau is their brand. And I think more and more people are starting to kind of, I don't know, get rid of like the snobbery of like, oh, people are only having nice things for Instagram. Yeah. They're actually kind of turning on to the idea, oh, wait, mm. if I create beautiful things that are made well and look gorgeous and people mm -hmm. can tell the effort that people put into the beautiful wine bottles if people recognize that effort mm. then people are more likely to enjoy it and keep it and remember that memory definitely and i think regardless of social media and kind of advertising online and you know getting that good instagram or the wine bottle or whatever which to be fair <laughs> like i i will always do that <laughs> so i'm not criticizing anyone that does that but be careful that keep those wine bottles um to hold flowers you know anyone that comes into their house will look at it and th they'll go away and remember the wine as well and um if you're drinking it from or if you're kind of at an event and someone's pouring with one of those bottles you're going to remember it more and it's going to be it's going to stand out from yeah. that chateau or that deer um so then just two more personal questions, mm -hmm. personal but fun. And then I just have one final question for you because I realised <laughs> okay. we just talked, <laughs> which is so lovely. Yeah. Um, so on a personal level, what does an ideal weekend right look now, like for you? An ideal weekend looks like no work because um, although I'm doing like a full-time job, <laughs> Dalston Wine Club is essentially my other nearly full-time job, although I absolutely love doing it. Um, Right now, an ideal weekend would be spent mm. in Norway. I absolutely love Norway, especially at this time of year. Um, even though the wine laws are ridiculous and probably, yeah, they're probably quite good for their people. But wine is so expensive out there. But honestly, like everything else makes up for it. It's just a different pace of life there. So, yeah, a weekend spent sweating mm -hmm. in a sauna somewhere in Norway would be perfect. That brings me on to my second question, which is when things are safer and more opened up, um, oh. where's on your travel list? So um, where's Norway. on my travel <laughs> list? I've always wanted to go to Japan. Um, I hear that they've handled, well, probably unsurprisingly, I hear they've handled coronavirus better than the UK. Um, so perhaps mm. a trip to Japan's on the cards. Um, also Edinburgh. Um, I haven't been to Edinburgh in ages. Um, it was where I was born. It's where my family spent most of their lives going back to Edinburgh would be, be amazing climb up Arthur's seat get to walk down the Royal Mile that kind of thing um yeah I miss it dearly 
I've got a girls trip that um, was actually booked um, in November to go to Edinburgh um, with a few of us for the weekend and we've moved it to mid-April you know ambitiously but I feel like at that you know who knows if that will happen but I'm desperate to to go again as well and definitely with girlfriends I think it would be really fun as well so I'll have to message you and ask for some tips whenever I'm we here. end up going. DM me whenever you like. I will. And then final question, just sort of moving forward, um, you know, what's next for the Dalston Wine Club? You know, if, if are you sort of prepping for, for kind of when, when things open up again, whenever that may be, whether that's, you know, in the next couple of months or in the next yeah, so half a year? Yeah, so I suppose kind of in the short term, next steps of Dalston Wine Club when restrictions lift and we can all get back to living our pre-lockdown lives, um, I'm going to be launching a second wine club in West London in Notting Hill. Um, so that's really really exciting it's something I wanted to do for a while just because I get quite a few messages from people saying like I really want to come to Dalston Wine Club but I could not live further away from Dalston is there any way you can come west mm-hmm. um, um, and I was just gonna say how, how do you know I have an idea on um, how many tickets so, honestly it depends how many I mean if so if social distancing is yeah. not a thing anymore I'm gonna pack as many people in there sure. as I possibly can so we can all I mean, I just like think back to when I used to go clubbing, like squishing yourself between two people at a bar trying <laughs> to get a drink, like being covered in other people's sweat. I'm just thinking, oh my God, who, who is she? Yeah. What, what was that? Did that ever happen? <laughs> who is she? Um, well, moving forward, make sure you follow the Dalston Wine Club on Instagram and I'll, I'll put all the details in the, the episode information and I, I know Hannah I feel like after this conversation a lot of people will also be keen to come do you ever get kind of couples coming as well because I feel like it's quite a fun date night I idea do. or is it I do. so obviously the last couple of um in-person wine clubs it was happening during when you had to kind of go everywhere with your bubbles so as well as people kind of coming with their work bubbles and also people they were living with which was really sweet um we did get quite a few couples so it is like a really nice date night idea I mean who better to kind of sip some delicious wines with and talk about them than with the person you trust the most Mm. oh god that's such a lovely (laughs) note to end it on (laughs) um well, Hannah, it's been absolutely incredible to meet you and to to have you on. And I'm, I'm so excited to watch your company grow. I'm already so invested. Um, but yeah, it's just been great Thank you to so talk much, Emily. Thanks for having me. Thank you also, listeners, for joining us. I hope you found this session as interesting as I did. You can find details on where to find Hannah and the Dalston Wine Club in the episode information. And please rate, review and subscribe and follow us on Instagram and speak soon.